lecture eleven part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture eleven on patience in prayer part two the sixth hindrance to attention in souls not already purified by trials is dryness of heart when the affections lose their pleasant sensibilities and find that their enjoyment is gone the soul is liable to become anxious and uneasy and to imagine that something serious she knows not what is wrong within her and that god is not with her this anxiety is much increased if there be obscurity or darkness in the mind as well as dryness in the heart accustomed to the light refreshment and consolation of prayer when deprived of them the soul is inclined to lose courage to become occupied with herself and with her changed feelings and not unfrequently yields herself to sadness which greatly relaxes attention to god and brings an uneasy apprehension about her state she has yet to learn the stronger and less selfish virtues of prayer and however well instructed in theory to discover in practice that there are far greater rewards of prayer than its actual and present enjoyment what is the faith that swims in light compared with that strong and energetic faith which adheres to god and his truth when the soul is surrounded with dark clouds and obscurations it is a noble courage to believe that god is still present hearing our prayers and providing their reward notwithstanding the darkness that hides his presence from us blessed are they who have not seen and have believed st john chapter twenty verse twenty nine what is the hope that enjoys the foretaste of the promises compared with that unbounded confidence that cleaves to god with undiminished trust when everything wears the appearance of discouragement this was the patient trust of holy job tortured in body overwhelmed with darkness and dryness of spirit assaulted with fears and perplexities he exclaimed amidst his sorrows and privations even though he should kill me i will trust in him but yet i will reprove my ways in his sight job chapter thirteen verse fifteen the psalms of david are the voice of a soul that frequently alternates between light and obscuration between consolation and desolation between delight in god and fear of self and they are written for our instruction when trial comes what is the conduct of the prophet of souls he adheres to god with hope he abides with him in patience he is subject to god and prays to him he awaits with fortitude the coming of god st paul knew how to abound and how to suffer loss he has humbly recorded the alternations of his soul even to the humiliation that he suffered lest he should be lifted up with the greatness of his revelations for which thing he says thrice i besought the lord that it might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for thee for power is perfected in infirmity what then did the apostle 
knowing the will of god he troubled himself no more but patiently bore the trial gladly therefore will i glory in my infirmities that the power of christ may dwell in me for which cause i please myself in my infirmities two corinthians chapter twelve verses eight through ten we read the lives of the saints of all ages and find that they had their times of refreshment and their times of interior trial and desolation and were deeply conscious of their infirmities but what truly distinguishes them was the simple faith the confident trust and the untiring patience with which they adhered to god in every trial and every state of feeling indifferent to all but the will of god and his sanctifying influences what is the charity that loves god with a sweet sense of love compared with that greater charity in which though without the sense of enjoyment our desires of god are sent forth to him with greater earnestness god measures our love by our desires and not by the refreshment with which he sometimes rewards them consolation is not prayer but an encouragement given to the weakness of souls prayer is the strongest fullest of virtue and obtains the greatest reward in eternity when our desires ascend to god and our adoration is given to him without regard to greater consolation than it pleases god to give us what is the patience of a soul in which all goes pleasantly on the path of prayer and when she has only to exclude what interferes with recollection compared with that firm and constant patience that adheres to god amidst obscurity and desolation this strong meat is not given to the babes of spiritual life but to those who are chosen for great rewards in eternity this severe diet purifies the affections from what is sensual feeble irritable or selfish in them and strengthens the virtues with a view to their perfection the rewards of prayer are given to its humility its patience its charity and purity let no one mistake present consolation for the great reward the first is a grace given to the soul to encourage her to labor for the eternal reward when prayer is pure it looks more to god and less to present enjoyment when prayer is patient it abides more steadfastly with god waits upon his will and is less attentive to one's inward perturbations this dry prayer is generous and most peaceful when most patient the great final reward to which all prayers should be directed is god himself if it please god that the soul should have her winter as well as her summer season this is a divine policy and a spiritual providence for just as the providence of god sends the bracing cold the rainy clouds and cleansing winds to prepare the earth that its fruits may gush forth in the summer so are these trials ordained to brace the soul to purify the heart and eradicate the weeds of self-love to make the spirit strong in fortitude and patience and to change our soft habits into a more vigorous constitution of life 
hence in the language of theology these trials are called purgations either purgations of sense or purgations of the intellect or purgations of the will purgation of the sense is effected by that drying up of the affections by which we learn that spiritual consolation comes not from oneself but is the gift and encouragement of the holy spirit who both gives and takes it away this trial also purifies the spiritual affections from whatever is sensual or savouring of self-love that has got mixed with them they thus become more purely spiritual and when consolation returns it is felt more in god and less in oneself the purgation of the intellect is effected by that withdrawing of divine light which leaves the soul in obscurity except in what regards the light of conscience and the soul more clearly sees that this light is in the hand of god to give or take away we put many images of vanity into that light and many reflections of self-love and make the holy light a mirror in which to admire our own mental efforts forgetting that it is by god's gift of light that we believe and think and obtain knowledge and understanding but when darkness comes upon the mind we find ourselves out we see that our light comes from god and that by no labor of our own can we produce a single ray of its illumination we are left to faith and to the light of justice needful to guide us on our way and we learn how insignificant our mental efforts are without the light of god the pride of intellect is mortified and humbled the intellect itself is purified of its vanities and conceits and from the reflected images of self-love and when the cheering light returns it comes more serene into a purer mind so that we make our prayer and conduct our mental operations with truer dependence on the divine illumination thus the intellect is purged from pride and vanity that we may see the truths of god and the laws of wisdom with purer eyes and respond to them with greater fidelity the purgation of the will is effected by the crucifixion of our inordinate loves and desires this is accomplished by the sufferings privations and disappointments which the will has to endure in things that tend to god when the dispositions of the will have been thus purified from seeking their own way in the things of god and when the desires of nature have been cleansed away from impeding the will of god in that soul the soul accepts all privations and sufferings here below with indifference the gift of charity is purified from the interests of nature and self-seeking and divested of its accidental encumbrances the flame of divine love obtains an increase of purity and force of fortitude and patience that gives it wonderful capacity both for unity with god and for every good work it will become evident from these explanations that the chief virtues to be exercised in times of dryness darkness and interior suffering are patient faith patient hope 
and patient charity raised to the degree of fortitude we must endure for the love of god believing in his loving care for us wait in patience for the light of his countenance and persevere in our prayer but remember that it is with ourselves that we have to be patient the italians have a proverb that time and patience change the mulberry leaf into fine satin it is wonderful what time does for a soul when helped by patience patience with time matures everything god is the governor of your soul have patience with his mysterious ways and let him govern you a hundred have perseverance for one who has patience but without patience that perseverance is of a restless broken and unpeaceful kind devout surrender to the ways of god is the summit of patience the seventh hindrance to steadfast attention and recollection arises from the timidities fears and discouragements to which the soul gives way amidst the trials and desolations of prayer this repining fear is very different from the filial fear of god it is a sinking of hope and courage and a failure of the confidence that god is present and hears the desires of our heart these timid misgivings do not proceed from grace but from the weakness of nature deprived of consolation people who go through a great deal of patient labor and will endure privations with cheerfulness to obtain success in other things will often shrink from labor and endurance and lose their patience when what they ask of god is deferred they lose both heart and much of what they have already gained they will not reflect that god delays his graces to try their faith in him and their patience or for other beneficial reasons that he alone knows hence their attention is disturbed becomes divided between god and their own discomforts and is sometimes overwhelmed with the gloom and sadness of their discontented nature sometimes this goes further they imagine their own displeasure to be god's displeasure with them that he has abandoned them and that their prayer is displeasing to god and useless thus patience breaks down into melancholy and the soul becomes wholly occupied with self yet all this is but a mischievous delusion of which presumption is the origin and self-love the feeder this will show itself in various ways the imagination will wander away to other scenes in search of relief the soul will fancy that she could do better in some other place and under other conditions for one of the effects of this kind of discontent is to imagine that one is not in one's right vocation and might do better in some other forgetting that we carry ourselves with us wherever we go yet all this weakness comes from want of patience with ourselves but the question arises are we to do god's will or our own what will our own will profit us we are abundantly taught by holy scripture and the saints that the trials which god sends us are among his greatest benefits and we are quite ready to teach this truth to others under their trials 
but when it comes to our own case our self-love will not let us understand yet to remove self-love is that trial given us if we practically knew god's ways in the soul we should believe in them trust in them love them and patiently wait through the winter of trial for the returning spring but self-love is blind voracious for present enjoyment and sad and sorrowful when it is not granted the true question for the soul is this do we deserve it is it good for us and the answer is god knows in the eighty-seventh psalm king david puts before us the fear anxiety and desolation with which his soul is beset in his prayer he begins his prayer with earnest supplication o lord the god of my salvation i have cried in the day and in the night before thee he then compares his interior privations to those of a man who is buried in a sepulchre in the dark places and in the shadow of death yet with patient fortitude he perseveres in his prayer my eyes languished through poverty all the day i cried to thee o lord i stretched out my hands to thee and again he continues his prayer shall any one in the sepulchre declare thy mercy and thy truth in destruction shall thy wonders be known in the dark and thy justice in the land of forgetfulness but i o lord have cried to thee and in the morning my prayers shall prevent thee this is the inspired prayer of one whose attention to god is not destroyed by his fears and discouragements the prophet habakkuk begins his prophesying with a prayer of great desolation how long o lord shall i cry and thou wilt not hear shall i cry out to thee suffering violence and thou wilt not save habakkuk chapter one verse two but at the end of his dolorous prophecies his grief is rewarded and his words are joyful but i will rejoice in the lord and will joy in god my jesus the lord god is my strength and he will make my feet like the feet of hearts and he the conqueror will lead me on my high places singing psalms habakkuk chapter three verses eighteen and nineteen the true remedy for all these fears and discouragements is to adhere to god in the darkness and wait with patience the hour of deliverance then will god infuse a secret strength into the soul that will carry her through her trial wait on god with patience join thyself to god and endure that thy life may be increased in the latter end take all that shall be brought upon thee and in thy sorrow endure and in thy humiliation keep patience for gold is tried in the fire but acceptable man in the furnace of humiliation believe in god and he will recover thee and direct thy ways and trust in him ecclesiasticus chapter two verses two through six you will also find out the truth of the words of solomon better is the end of prayer than the beginning better is the patient man than the presumptuous one ecclesiastes chapter seven verse nine 
we must not forget that the will as well as the mind is liable to become fatigued not as they are spiritual powers but in the corporal organs which they use hence in this our mortal state attention cannot be very long sustained on one subject without varying the method of attention the power of attention is very different in different persons and that for various reasons the difference of natural constitution the difference of the habits in which the soul has been trained and the greater or less degree in which the soul has been disciplined to patience the mind and its faculties should not be strained or weariness and dullness will be the consequence meditation which the fathers call investigation is more fatiguing than the aspirative prayer of the affections contemplation is less laborious because the movements of the mind are more simple but what really fatigues the mind is not tranquil prayer but any anxiety or sadness mixed with it when aspirative and effective prayer is mixed with meditation it is not only less fatiguing but more fruitful this will be particularly found in long retreats let any one who would feel the value of patient prayer take the our father or the creed or a hymn of the holy ghost and repeat it slowly and attentively with the heart on god and the mind on the sense of the prayer and he will find perhaps with some surprise how much more light will come to his mind how much more sweetness to his heart how much nearer he will feel himself to god than when these customary prayers are little better than gabbled without their full and solemn sense one our father thus meditatively recited with mind heart and patient attention will do more for the soul than several repetitions that are little better than verbal sometimes the mind will enter with affection into the sublime truths expressed sometimes the heart will use them as pious aspirations sometimes the soul will repose more fully on the divine presence sometimes she will examine herself by their light sometimes she will more definitely receive their influence in determining her conduct these solemn petitions will constantly bring new lights and new refreshments the spirit of god is in them and where is the spirit of the lord there is liberty end of lecture eleven part two